0: Sports in Venezuela, mama likes Cinderella, mama's got a chunga, yeah. I say, hola, 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 bozanova. I say, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a chunga, yeah. All right, bendiciones y salutados. It's good to speak with you. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It On Dogs by nature. I almost, almost wound up there to say the DBN Network, but it's no longer the DBN Network. It's Dogs by Nature, and happy to be with you here on this end of the week. Version of the broadcast kind of got out of sorts a little bit with the bye week and then Thanksgiving last week. You know, I didn't really stay on the right schedule. I realize that's uh, fertile ground for you to uh, criticize, and I certainly welcome you to do so in any of the ways that uh, that you would like to. Um, but I am here to speak with you about the state of our beloved Roaring Helmets, and uh, with a, a few days of separation between the uh, last game, a thirty-five to twenty shellacking of the Cincinnati Bengals at uh, Paul Brown Stadium in West Pennsylvania, and on Sunday after the broadcast, I was a little bit—I don't know—focused on uh, erstwhile head coach Hugh Jackson. Probably spent more time on him than I, I, I really should have, given the you know just the the overall great great performance of the team and particularly of our young quarterback Baker Mayfield. I ever tell you guys I like him, but. With uh, Coach Jackson, former Coach Jackson, now coaching the Bengals, I, you know, and, and something happened here right before I was about to, um, you know, come in here and talk with you here today. I was perusing as I actually what I was doing is I was getting ready uh, to set my fantasy stuff, and I, which I, you know I don't do a whole lot of uh, fantasy anymore, but I do, and I'm actually something on a, a bit of a you know I'm, I'm 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 doing terrible this year, but I've had a couple last good couple last couple weeks so. Uh, wow, that was really great the way I just said that <laughs> but uh at any rate as i'm as I get on to uh, Yahoo to check the lineups right there, bam, first thing I see, and maybe this is a cash thing because you know they they know that I'm a Browns fan or whatever, and so they because this was Yahoo news this wasn't like the Yahoo sports section this is first you know top page if if you will of the of the Yahoo news service, and it, it the headline actually the headline changed but the uh, the original headline was Hugh Jackson's final meeting with TV crew reveals how broken the Browns were before he got fired. Now let me tell you something. I I am not the I, I'm I'm kind of unusual in this regard. Uh, no surprise there. But I I'm not like a, a lot of guys that do. Um, traditional like radio programs or i suppose even podcasts in the sense that so much of what that model is predicated on is looking at stories that occur out there in the world you know finding whether it's a newspaper or magazine whatever and then reacting to those stories and i that's never been a thing that i do here with this i, I usually react to the things that i see uh, and everything is stream of consciousness i don't You know, usually do uh, point counterpoint. It's just, just not, uh, barring exceptional circumstances. And and I thought that this was was one of them. So I I just, and it was just because it just happened right before I uh, I got on here to talk with y'all that I felt like it was it was worth mentioning. So what what ended up happening? Well, what this is, what this story is. This is from Chris. I guess his name is Chris Quick. I don't know him, but of uh, Yahoo Sports spelled C-Y-I-K... I'm sorry, C-W-I-K. So I would imagine that's quick. I don't, I don't know what else. Maybe Sweek? I, I, I have no idea. But either way, he's the uh, the author of this piece. And essentially, what happened was the, the CBS crew that did the final Steelers game, that would have been the venerable Dan Fouts, who was a really great quarterback and a terrible color commentary guy, and Ian Eagle, who is absolutely... Uh, Every bit the the match for Fouts as far as play by play calling. Actually, Eagles not terrible, um, but at any rate, they interviewed the uh, you know everybody as they always do before every game, <laughs> and I'll just I'm going to read some excerpts of the story here um, it, because it's. <laughs> The, these, I think that what you're going to find, at least the way that my reaction to it was, is this is something that people read and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe how incredibly, wildly bad it was in Cleveland. And as you read this, you're going to have a combination of like apathy, like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, exactly what, that's exactly what was going on, or maybe anger, uh, or the most likely reaction is just to laugh. Here it goes. The Cleveland Browns were pretty dysfunctional in Hugh Jackson's final days as head coach. That shouldn't come as a break news by uh, to anyone by now even the most casual NFL fans know Jackson didn't cover himself in glory during his tenure as Brown's coach but thanks to CBS broadcaster Ian Eagle fans have a little more insight into what the Browns were dealing with days before Jackson was fired apparently Eagle uh, joined the rich Eisen Show his podcast, which, by the way, not to not to get too deviated, like I do, but I, you know, I haven't checked out the Eisen thing for uh, quite some time. Maybe when he first started, and I did the other day because he was um, he he got into the whole Baker Hugh paradigm and. I gotta tell you, I was impressed. I, I I don't know what I expected, but I was I was impressed by the way by the the the, the whole thing, the style, the delivery, the the whole thing. Um, I, I, it, I, Rich Eisen's really good. I mean, and I'm sure you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, breaking news, easy way to go on that one. A guy's only been doing it for a hundred years. I, look, I'm I don't hear everything that goes on out there. I just you know I I heard. I thought, man, this is really good. Uh, but at any rate, Eagle gets on there. And he proceeds to explain that he and uh, former quarterback Dan Fouts of the San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers, were the broadcast team for what turned out to be Jackson's final game, and then during the television production meeting, so this is what happens on the Saturday prior to the game, and they're all required to meet with the media type, so that way they can have some, you know, some, uh, This I'm, I'm now deviating from the story, I, I, I break in and out, as it were, but, you know, they're all required to do this, just like they're required to give uh, postseason press conferences if, if, if called upon to do so at the end of the games. Uh, so during this production meeting, Fouts asked Jackson, why don't the Browns incorporate some of Oklahoma's offensive strategies and take advantage of, a, you know, Baker Mayfield's style and make it more comfortable? And Jackson's response was, quote, yeah, good question. I agree. And this caused co- obviously this caused the CBS crew. So uh, okay, let me let me back up here. The CBS crew is talking to Coach Jackson, and the Browns what are they at this point? They're like the uh, what two and and five or and one and whatever they were at that at that point. So they're asking Hugh Jackson, you know, like, hey, you got this rookie quarterback's done some stuff. Why don't you maybe incorporate some of the uh, you know concepts he had at Oklahoma? And Jackson's answer was, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I agree these guys at CBS are understandably stupefied at what they're being told, they're like, well wait a second, if you're what? and then when, when Fouts pressed them for an answer Jackson said, yeah, yeah, I agree Eisen later highlighted why I agree was such a troubling statement from Jackson by saying that Jackson suggested he was at odds with offensive coordinator Todd Haley over how the offense was being run. Not only that, but Jackson's comments also made it sound like, despite being the head coach, he was somehow losing that battle. And there really is no way, other way to interpret this. Uh, you know, if, if you're asking – well, actually, I shouldn't say that. There is another way to interpret this, and that is that, if you know, in other words, if, if I was the head coach, you know, I would be like that uh, – you know, you ever see that uh, the that, that 70s show? One of my favorite – like, my, my wife's in my favorite show back in the from, – from back when we first got together. I used to love watching that show. And there's this one episode where they go up to Canada and they get stopped by the Canadian border uh, guard up there, and so they're going through their their version of customs or whatever, and and He's like, what's your business in Canada, eh? And Tommy Chong is, <laughs> is the guy that's with them. Is so He's like, what's your business in Canada, eh? <laughs> so, like, basically every time they asked him a question, they, he would just basically repeat the question back to them exactly how they said it. And that's what I would do if I was a head coach in the NFL. And they were, I would try to make the answers as stupid as possible. And then I would try to just bloviate for as long as possible. Make them as, as – because I don't want anybody knowing what I'm thinking. You know, this is the – it's I mentioned this before. It's the Godfather principle. You know, never, you know, talking to Sonny, who runs his mouth when they're talking to, uh, was that, was that Barzini at that part of the movie? I forget. That's been, if, if I forget, that means I have to, uh, watch that movie because it's been too long if I'm not remembering the, the subplots of, of that flick. But Sonny is, you know, he, he jumps in wanting to negotiate and the Don, uh, you know, uh, Don Corleone is like, don't ever tell anybody outside the family, whatever you're thinking ever again and this that that's the way that I would be. So as I say, that's a that's a possibility here for Jackson given his coach. He's just trolling these guys. Like, hey, how could you run some con-? Well, how come You don't run those concerts? You know, it's that, that sort of thing. I could get that. I could understand that. I'd even support that. I'd make me like you uh, a little bit more. Um but that's not what this was apparently so Eagle agreed with that assessment, getting back to the story here, and pointed out that Jackson's comments came shortly after Jackson criticized Haley and the team's offense. Now this is where it gets a little interesting. The television crew ran into similar issue with Mayfield when asked when, when asking him questions about the offense. Haley and Jackson the about, about the offense, Haley and Jackson. So they asked him about all three of those things, and Eagle said there was something amiss, quote-unquote, about Mayfield's answers to those questions. Right, because what's he going to do, run down the guys that are personally tamp- uh, that are intentionally tamping him down back to this. Because of that, no one at CBS television crew was surprised when Jackson was fired shortly after the game, nor was anyone in Cleveland, for that matter, uh, as far as broadcast or otherwise. The Browns have gone 2-1 and one under interim coach Greg Williams after parting ways with Jackson. Despite getting fired, things haven't gone poorly for Jackson. He joined the Cincinnati Bengals as special assistant to the head coach, Marvin Lewis, and while that decision led to Jackson being ripped by Mayfield, it could work out for Jackson. In the end, there's already been some speculation that Jackson could take over for Lewis as the Bengals' next head coach. And if that happens, this is kind of like... This, this is the... This is this guy, uh, Chris Quick or, or or Cywick. I don't know how, how you say his name, but the final line of the story. If that happens, Jackson will have at least two opportunities per season to prove the Browns made the wrong choice. Uh... You know, um, I, the 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 cake is already baked. There, I mean, we, it's already been determined. We made the right choice. We've already won. We've already won more games uh, it, since Hugh has been gone than he won his first two years being here. Oh, you get, you get Sashi Brown gives terrible right? No, I don't. I, that excuse means nothing. I mentioned before Hugh was even fired before we saw this this uh, resurgent turnaround I made the point if Chris Palmer can win five freaking games in two years with two of those coming against the Steelers and one of them coming against Belichick then Hugh could have won at least a game last year but whatever I didn't I, I did not intend to spend uh, all of this time talking about Hugh Jackson. In fact, I really didn't spend intend to spend any time talking about Hugh Jackson because I spent so much time talking about him uh, on Sunday. But it's just it's it's it is kind of fascinating watching the rest of the world kind of catch up to where we are on this because anybody that is in our camp, as in the the camp of the the orange helmets and the uh, if, I mean, in other words, if you were somebody that was if you were rooting for this team when Brian Hoyer was the quarterback and are still here, then yeah, you you are you are who I'm talking about. You know, you and I. Are, are part of this uh, th- this this odd fraternity, and you know all of us that are that are part of it as well uh, that that have gone through the worst professional football the league has ever seen. Period, and so right now we're on the other side of that and it's like after so much of that you get you can get shell shocked over something you or apathetic or whatever i think for many of us it was it kind of reached a level of slap happiness um and so but and for the rest of the world they look at us and they're like wow those poor bastards it's just but at the same time it's the lol browns meme it's the the general idea that that uh, people have had about this organization this franchise for the longest time that we're a running joke and we have been and so but i, I even at that even with all of that prejudice built in there is still a, a bit of shock out there amongst the the throng the hordes are like oh wow i can't even believe and i think a lot of it has to do with they see this team now they see this team go out there and i let me say this one more time. Go out there and bust a 2x4 across the teeth of the Bengals like they did last Sunday. And that 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 is something that I'm going to um get into as the program unfolds but uh, before I do that I, I want to um, get into a-, a-, a part of this story that uh, well a-, a small part of this story when I say a small part of the story there was a link here on the uh, while that decision led to Jackson being ripped by Mayfield talking about uh, Baker Mayfield quote-unquote ripping Jackson and the overall media reaction to Baker Mayfield's awesomeness uh, and I'm going to get into that when I return turn and this is uh easy does it i am easy weave on dogs by nature appreciate your feedback in the comment section of the article that accompanies this hello i'm spencer hall from sb nation and i want to tell you about my new show it seems smart it seems smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another seem smart at the time those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain or i don't know Along with, uh, you know, really follow me up on the, the Twitters and on the Facebook. I'm easy to find. I'm Easy Weave. And you can find me real quick on the other side of this. Hey. I like the, rock and the- on Sunday I spent a lot of time talking about the moment in that game where Demarius Randall intercepted the pass where we were up 21 nothing walks over and hands it to Hugh Jackson and there were some were speculating you know hey, he could have ran up the field and picked up yards there was a, let me address that first of all there was an unnecessary roughness penalty called on Jamie Collins it wouldn't have mattered if Randall had returned it for a touchdown it would have been called back so if you're one of these and they're out there. If you're one of these folks that's all hot and bothered because he didn't try to make the return, and somehow that's, you know, another reason why we haven't changed the culture of losing or whatever it is that people are thinking out there, uh, let not your heart be troubled because it wouldn't have made a difference. But either way, it was just a very serendipitous. Occurrence—the fact that he intercepts the ball, look—you don't get it. You don't get to intercept the ball wherever you want to. I mean, making an interception in the NFL is really, really hard. So the fact that he was able to do it right there at that spot and was able to then walk over and hand it to Jackson, who just happened to be standing right there—I mean, he could have caught it at any part of the Bengals' sideline. The fact that it's right there where Jackson is—it was just again the only the only word to describe is, is serendipitous. And if you don't know what that word means, and, and this is no no slam against you. Don't worry. Between you and I, nobody even knows that I'm talking to you about this. But serendipity means something um, unbelievably awesome. That I'm paraphrasing. Some something really great that you didn't expect was going to happen. You know, an unexpected, really awesome thing. And that is what exactly what happened there on the sidelines. So when uh, you know when that happened, that to me was a big deal. But apparently, to the rest of the media world that exists out there, the Baker. Uh, Stiff arm, if you will, at the end of the the game where Jackson comes out tries to uh, embrace Baker. Baker does the you know does the you know th- thanks but no thanks. It's not me, it's you routine, and you know basically keeps him at arm's length and doesn't do the uh, you know the bro hug like he's doing with everybody else. And then he goes on at the press conference after the game and talked about how you know hey uh, he was in our locker room he wanted us to play hard for him then he goes to another team I'm not really down with that other people can spin it however they want but that's just what I'm going to say now look anybody with a, a shred of common sense and especially if you've spent any time around this organization for the past couple of years can understand that sentiment but I'm not look at there have already been lots of people in our camp that you know Thelonious did a great. Job job of, of kind of nuking this in his uh program today or whenever it was that you heard it but the uh, the, the the caterwauling being done by the press out there regarding um Baker and and the, the Baker generally uh, or Baker specifically and the Browns generally uh, somebody said it really well. Um, over, like they're they're upset that the Browns aren't winning the way that they want them to win. That they're they're not that they're not winning the right way or or whatever. Um, I, I would like to to the extent that any uh, of of you folks in the media ever listen to 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 me. And I don't you know presume that you probably do very often. Uh, but if you do, you know. Uh, and, and look, it. I also understand that a lot of people in media. A lot of people don't know this, but you know that in media, a lot of times the audience that media types are actually trying to reach our other members of the media did you know that that's actually that's, that's a common thing uh, my, that's not and that, that's not me i'm my my only uh draw but the only thing i'm trying to reach the only person i'm trying to reach is you you know i'm trying and, and and you are probably somebody that is a browns fan like i am and ha- cares about this team passionately and that's the only reason why you care about what i have to say is because you recognize that in me we have that thing going on here right But media folks in general tend to speak to other members of the media, even though they're not doing it, you know, um, overtly. It is – just trust me on this. It's it's, it's a thing that happens. So – with that in mind um i am not I, I am purposefully saying to all of the members of the the entire conglomerate of sports media types that exist all throughout all of northern america who may accidentally comment on anything that the browns may or might may not do and this by the way isn't just sports media anybody in the rest of the media world that wants to get in on this i have just a a small request uh for you maybe it's a large request but it, 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 either way how, what Whichever whatever size of the request is makes you feel compelled to do it, uh, consider it to be that level. Please, please, please keep it up. I, I cannot implore you more. I, I, I mean, because I've really, I, I, I've, I've waited a long time for a winner, and you guys out there running your face like you are are going to make it happen a lot. Like we may win the Super Bowl this year if you guys won't won't knock this off, because the only thing that you are, first of all. You are not going to change Baker Mayfield. You are not going to shame him into changing who he is or becoming a different person or acquiescing to your demands. It doesn't work that way. He doesn't have to. There was actually a guy, some schmuck out there. I'm not even going to mention his name because it was so stupid. The premise of his article that actually asked the question Baker Mayfield, who do you think you are? Well,. Mr. Dopey Media type? I will answer the question for you. Baker Mayfield is the savior of a franchise that has been hopelessly cursed for over 50 years. Now, it doesn't really matter to me if you realize that, recognize that, understand that, or you don't. But this guy, right now, is going to be remembered far long after you are. Or any of the the others of you that are in the media world that are making this claim. This guy is changing the culture of an organization that more than any other is the the heart and soul of the city that that encompasses it that houses it that it calls home and so when the, the entirety of the universe has conspired and not even conspired. you know conspiracy it can't really be a conspiracy if it's wide open for everybody to see and the universe has been openly dumping on our franchise for as long as any of us can remember and now we finally are digging ourselves out of it because of this guy and so this who this guy is this guy is the one that is going to get us out of here what this really means is that this is the guy Uh, in whom has the support and trust and love of all of us. When he speaks, and when I say all of us, I'm talking about everybody in the city, all of the fans around the world, everybody, and you better believe every member of that team, is 100 million percent behind Baker Mayfield. And when you idiots out there in the media are trying to troll us like this, and and try to uh, take your pot shots at this guy, all you are doing is galvanizing the team. All you are doing is making him stronger. All you are doing is making him more credible and more loved and that, those guys are ready to wa- run through a wall for Baker Mayfield and the more you guys run your face, the more it helps the cause, so please keep going with it keep, get more ridiculous with it by the day I promise you, you're not going to make him any different. Hopefully that makes you even more angry and you proceed to go even further with it. I really hope that's the track that you take here. Because you're just going to cause this kid to get such a chip on his shoulder that he that he wins 10 Super Bowls for us just to do nothing than to clown you idiots. And look, I don't usually talk um, this disparagingly about any group of individuals, but... Uh, Sports media people that are taken at that are taking after Baker Mayfield and criticizing him because of the way that he has you know especially in light of the first uh, part of this uh, episode talking about Hugh Jackson and the apps. Absolute- Absolute unfunny joke of an organization we were under him, and while and and th- just that whole exchange. What did I? T- what was I saying prior to? Not this isn't. Uh, I told you so. I don't. I don't do that. It was easy for anybody to see. If you watch this kid at Oklahoma, then you watch him in the preseason, then you watch him come into the NFL with no first team rips, rip it up, and then you see him almost forcibly regress. There was something going on there, and then you see in here that they're saying, well, how come you don't do things to help the Guy? Well, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, what the hell does that mean? It means that they, there was something going on there that they were in. They, whether it was intentional or whether it was by hook or by crook, they were they were holding this kid back. And so, and then on top of that, they let him go after, I mean, you talk about somebody being fired for cause. There was probably no more deserving of person ever been canned in the history of occupation than Hugh Jackson from the Cleveland Browns after, what, 336-1? and Yeah, the guy deserved to get got, and then what does he do? He goes on the public circuit and starts ripping on the Browns organization and start ripping on the quarterback position. What do you expect? for the reaction to that to be. How in the world... Or do you just not know that those things happen? Or is it just a world that exists where a guy like Hugh Jackson can say whatever he wants about the Browns, but the Browns can't have any sort of reaction to him? I'm sorry, but that's not the actual reality of the situation. In other words, I'm not making a moral judgment here. I'm not telling you that... Mayfield has the right to do... Wh- I'm saying the way it is, okay? This isn't this isn't about right or wrong. This is about cause and effect. If you're going to go out and be an adversary to Baker Mayfield, he's going to fight you back. And everybody on that team is going to support him. And I'm going to support him all the way to the Hall of Fame, which is the trajectory he's on. <laughs> His first ballot at this point. I, I know. I can hear you out there. He's talking about rookie quarterback. first ballot. Have you ever seen anybody play at this level as a rookie? And I realize... There have been other rookies that have put up stats like this, but honestly, guys, have you ever seen a rookie quarterback go out there and attack defenses the way that Baker is doing it right now? You know, the guy threw, the kid threw four touchdowns to four different receivers on Sunday. Remember the week before he hit his first, what, 13 passes to nine different receivers? Remember when our offensive line and our wide receivers were considered among the worst in the league? Notice how that hasn't really been a problem the last couple of weeks. Why? Why? It's because of a, well, it's because the shackles have been taken off and because this kid, this, this hotshot rookie that we got is out there fulfilling our dreams in ways that, and honestly, somebody said this and I'm willing to, and I, I kind of have alluded to it myself that, you know, one in 31 uh, was worth it for, uh, for miles and Baker. And, and I look at, sometimes whenever I'm talking about uh, Baker, I feel like I'm doing undue justice to, uh, to miles Garrett. How about, 12 pressures on Sunday. And by the way, I knew yeah I, I, I suspected I was very um, excited to see the possibility that uh, that Garrett was going to perform better after the bye, because the guy had he had played more snaps he and Ogan Joby had played more uh, defensive snaps than anybody else in the league which stands to reason considering we hadn't had our bye week yet and we had played almost a full extra game because of the overtime games that we were in so yeah you know miles was just worn out and his in the Atlanta game was the the first time in his entire career, he didn't get a pressure, but then he comes back and gets twelve of them against the tech or against the the, the Bengals. So it just goes to show you, um, the, the the guy is uh, you know. Although he did make that one bad play where he didn't wrap up uh, Dalton, although it was a good play by Dalton, but still, just um, as I as I, whenever I, I I feel like whenever I, I heap all this praise on Baker, that I'm not giving a, um, appropriate and due. Uh, praise for for Miles Garrett, who I consider to be at the same level. I mean, what Miles does on the defensive side of the ball and that's another thing for people and this isn't an media thing now this is a, like a like a like a dbn thing this is a, this is an us thing we just we got people in our camp that that are disappointed in miles's pro- and i realize this is a deviation sorry about this but it's just it's just one of these things i don't understand how you can look at miles garrett and not be over the moon happy you know, thrilled beyond belief that we have this guy is is tilting the field when he's out there teams have to game plan around him and he's and he's productive what do you want it's, what is 11 sacks now on the season, when was the last time? And how, when was the last time we had a guy that had that sort of production? And then, how can you even imagine people complaining about it? Whatever, it's what it is. But the 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 point was one and thirty one. I'm willing to put up with because of Miles and Baker. But point blank, zero sixteen was worth it for Baker Mayfield for what this guy is going to end up doing for our uh, for our organization and our future. It, we didn't have to go one or uh, zero and sixteen. We could have very easily gotten the number one overall pick at two and tw- uh, fourteen. But whatever, it's what it is, and it's water under the bridge. And yes, we have to live with the ignominy of zero and sixteen. But you know what? It it, it kind of seems like uh like uh, like like the Houston. You know, may have have worked this whole thing, you know, because if you go back to, and, and it's been pretty much revealed, if you didn't know this already, and we all did, but it's been pretty much confirmed that Hugh was the one that leaked the lie, the slander that uh, Sashi Brown was leaving the office at 5 p.m. last year during a trade deadline, uh, it, you know, and, and everybody knew that, but th- look at. I'm sorry. This is this is the thing. I, I, there'll be like a, a word or two per show that I just keep latching onto and repeating. So I'll try not to uh, to, to do that one again. But during the, uh, the the tenure of Hugh Jackson last year, when all of that was going down during the trade deadline, and you know the story, we. You know tried to trade for a j McCarran, fell through Dean and uh Jimmy got all mad. Sashi fell on the sword, he ends up getting fired well, along with that was this uh, fairly intense social media campaign where he was going out there trying to tell everybody in the world that uh you know he didn 't have the sort of roster that it took basically he's just doing c y a and you know, there's any number of reasons. I've discussed them at length in the past. Why it made sense, possibly, potentially, to do that doesn't make it any better. Doesn't make him any more of a uh, you know a, a, an integrity-related individual. But it's understandable in, in the sense that you can understand why people do the things that they do. But what would be the reason? The reason, as much as anything, is to. You know, to shift blame. I don't want to be the one that is responsible for this record. Well, let me tell you something. The way that all this is shaping up now, the way that people—and I can't even believe that. It, I really, I just find it as fun as it is. As fun as it is for all of us to sit and think about the po- the possibility that um, that Jackson would go on to coach the Bengals. I just, I just don't think that it's it's. It just can't be at this point. It just can't be. But at this point. The way this has gone down, as people go back and they look at this Owen sixteen, it's going to be full square, one hundred percent on Hugh Jackson. Nobody is going to blame Owen sixteen on Deshaun Kaiser, and nobody's going to blame Owen sixteen on Sashi Brown. It's going to be one hundred percent on Hugh Jackson's shoulders because of his conduct. And ultimately, and again, I'm not going to spend any more time talking about Hugh because I, I said that I wouldn't do it. But this all went back to Baker and his impact, and how the the Owen sixteen was worth it to get this guy and as i was so loud and 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 went on you know endlessly for hours and hours and days and eons during the draft season uh about this guy and why i was 100 million percent behind drafting him i i don't i don't remember exactly when it was that that i made that determination but it was sometime you know around now last year or even before then that I knew that he that he was the guy that I wanted us to take, but the, the one of the main reasons why, and we're, we're starting to see it, yeah, he had the talent, obviously you, you see what he's doing to NFL defenses and the look the only comp that there is for a rookie is Andrew luck Andrew luck is the only one that did anything close to what Baker is doing when he was a rookie, and I think that by the time his rookie year is over with, if the last you know two games are any indication of how the last uh, five games are going to go, then there's five games left, right? Or is there four? I, I, I don't recall. But if if that's the way things go, well, then, you know, we're looking at uh, a, you know a, a possibly the greatest rookie season of all time. And by the way, Chubbers is on. Uh, he could very well pass up Saquon in yards and touchdowns before it's all said and done. We'll see if that materializes. But all I'm saying is that all of that is great. All of that is wonderful, terrific, tremendous, outstanding, spectacular. And anybody would love to have that going on for them. But there's more. There's more. You know, what do we say about guys like Deshaun Watson, who we could have drafted 12? Or guys like, you know, we said this for two years now about Carson Wentz. Or even about Patrick Mahomey, who I was all about drafting last year, uh, although I'm, I'm thrilled with Miles. So even And in hindsight, looking at now, considering all of the evidence that we have, I would still draft Miles Garrett over Patrick Mahomes. Yep, I would. Uh, but that's hindsight being what it is. But as I say, all of these guys, Trubisky, whoever it is, whoever it is that you've looked at over the last couple of years or would be looking at uh, even last year in the draft, what is it that is is the constant refrain well that guy wouldn't have done as well here because this is Cleveland and Hugh would have hewed him up or whatever the way that he he wrecked Kaiser last year for example and Kessler the year before that how about, how about Cody Kessler gonna be the starting quarterback for the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars that's um, that that is fun stuff and if he ends up to go on to be successful uh, what does that say about Hugh Jackson at any rate the um, the, the thing about baker coming here is the personality you gotta be a little bit nutso the fact that he's such a weird and i say it baker if you're listening first of all you're listening i love you i just know that but the uh, this isn't criticism i love the weirdness uh, i'm a weirdo i i i i, I dig it <laughs> you know i i think that it's um but you know i with and with all in all seriousness, you know he did a press conference yesterday and i 'm not going to parse it i 've done that before but i 'm not going to do that now um, where he he talked a little bit more about you know about um, all of this and i got to tell you something just as a you know not not as a as a we always try to sanitize everything was a twenty three year old rookie uh, you know he 's able to do this able to as a just as a young man as a twenty three year old man I'm telling you that this kid has advanced understandings of management concepts. This was the thing that I was so—and again, not to keep making this a Hugh thing—but I, I, I was very disappointed in a lot of the things I saw on the Hard Knocks, and then I saw with my own two eyes about Hugh Jackson and his ability to manage people during his time here with us, and, and especially during that whole episode. And I think that you know the way that it all turned out you know really shows that he was lacking in that regard mayfield by contrast has such a deep understanding of the mindset of People, this is so far beyond uh, you being able to read defenses and being able to. He, he went. He talked about how everybody's different. How he's got to reach people uh, differently. You know how he does it is different from person to person. You know he he kind of uh, gave it up there too. He's like you know sometimes I gotta you know be you know a, a, a little bit different with people. I gotta you know be ride somebody harder than somebody else. He knows that everybody is different. And he's got to act differently in order to get the best he can out of all. All of his teammates that are around him, who, by the way, all of his teammates around him at every level that he's ever played at, love him. They love him. But I'm here to tell you what I just said, the, the concept of understanding that everybody's different. There are guys and, and women, there, there are people in management, high-level management positions at all levels of the, of, of the world that don't understand that. And, and don't have, don't reach the sort of success that they might otherwise enjoy if they did understand that. You know, because everybody is different. You know, we're, we're, it says that we're all snowflakes in a sense that, you know, there are no two snowflakes that are different. There are no two people that are different. I'm a big believer in that. There are no two. Everybody out there is a unique individual. We all are unique individuals. None of us are the same. Even identical twins have idiosyncratic differences between the two. They're all, they're, they're their own unique, you know, people. All of us are. Even if we have similarities, you know, in 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 various ways, Baker's is Baker's is unique as any, as anybody has ever been, but he understands. What his role is on this team he understands what he says to the media and how it's construed and he understands how to shut down a conversation when there's nothing else left to say I'm, I'm telling you there there's things about as I'm and this, this isn't just me being a homer although I am this isn't just me being um, uh, you know uh, 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 I, I'm, I'm one of the biggest baker honks in the, in the world I, I real I get all that but i'm just listen to if you are if you are somebody that you know is you don't even need to be management if you're just somebody that's been in the workforce for you know 20 30 years you you know a lot of this stuff go back and watch that press conference and tell me that you're not impressed that a 23 year old guy understands these things at the level that he does i'm just i'm continuously uh, and, and and unfortunately i should have made a list of because there was there was like three or four things throughout the course of this thing and i'm like yes 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 how come Hugh never understood this but this guy does, and and honestly, he's he's really kind of going to be, uh, kind of for all intensive purposes, this guy's going to be our coach for the next, you know, ten fifteen years, and and you know, who knows how this coaching mis- uh, search is going to materialize uh if, if it even happens i contend that if we if we if we go out and this is a good uh place to a uh, segue out if we go out there on sunday and just you know stomp a, uh, a a mud hole in the houston texans and i'm not predicting this by the way and and, and by the way if you are a, a texans guy or gal, I actually really like you Texans people. I've, I've had a chance to uh, commiserate with y'all on various, uh, uh, certain, usually whenever we're playing each other. And I got, I got you, y'all are cool. I got no problem, and you got a really good team down there. And we're going to talk about that and this matchup here when we return. This is easy does it. I am Easy Weave on Dogs by Nature. Uh, always appreciate you being out there, and hopefully you'll be there on the other side of this. <laughs> I don't have a problem admitting when I'm wrong. In fact, I, I actually have found um, over the years that it, it provides you more credibility if you are willing to uh, admit and accept if you have been wrong about something. I uh, it, you And here's the test. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and tell you, uh, basically, yeah, I told you this was going to happen, I told you so, I told you so? you know, that phrase, I hate to say I told you so, Uh, that ever impress you? Like, have you you ever, like, listened to somebody that says, hey, I told you this, I told No, nobody really is ever impressed that anybody was able to predict something that that happened. Uh, Or, more to the point, but even more than that, it doesn't do you good to try to uh massage or change things around. Sometimes you get evaluations wrong. And I happen to be a guy that takes a lot of swings of the bat. I take, you know, I make a lot of, of bold predictions about things. A lot of them turn out to be true, a lot of them turn out to be, you know, totally dead wrong. And when I'm dead wrong about something, I will admit it. And I actually, I don't know if I was dead wrong about this, but I was fairly outspoken and internally pretty Convinced that, um, that Deshaun Jackson's rookie year really was a lot of smoke and mirrors, really was a lot of uh you know him kind of being bailed out by superb wide receiver i mean it, 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 that, that that's a good place to start as any deandre hopkins holy smokes this guy uh i know that we like to say that antonio well, i don't we don't like to say this but oftentimes the refrain is antonio brown is uh, the best receiver in football i i don't know that it's not that that guy in houston that guy is just unbelievable and he also he, uh, plays with a chip on his shoulder which i which i really enjoy So, uh, at any rate, he's got these wide receivers making, you know, uh, circus catches all over the place. And he just, it just seemed like he had a lot of breaks go his way. Not there's anything, look, if if the breaks are going your way, that probably means you're doing something to make that happen, usually. (laughs) Typically, that is how that works out. And, uh, but then he gets hurt. And so I kind of came into this year. In fact, I had a, uh, a, a bet with uh, my good buddy, Gin and Tonic, who, whose program, The Long Table, you can hear right here on Dogs by Nature. But he and I had a, uh, a cigar bet, and it looks like I'm going to have to pay up. In fact, I am going to go ahead and concede defeat on that because most of the things that I predicted, I had a very um, intricate, like, didn't think that he was going to have a passer rating over 80, that the Texans wouldn't finish 500 or better, and that he wouldn't be in any sort of conversation for uh, League MVP or Offensive Player of the Year or any of that. And I think I'm probably going to end up going 0 for 3 on that because the Texans have reeled off eight straight wins. They are... and and And... Deshaun Watson, you watch him play on uh, Monday night, and the, the, the guy's a sensation. He's a fantastic uh, prospect and a tremendous talent. And the one thing about him, you know, if you go back to the <clears throat> the uh, 2016 quarterback. Uh, class and the, the the scouting that goes into all of that. Of course, the uh, the easy rule on on scouting quarterbacks is it's not about this is this is akin to the three year rule on gauging draft picks. Is that it's not about um, metrics. It's not about arm strength. It's not about hand size. It's not about height, weight. It's not about the offense that you ran. It's not about uh, the 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 way that it's it's really not about anything more than the tape do Semtex doesn't matter. Nothing matters. In fact, Deshaun Watson proves, unfortunately, uh, Ethan Young. It proves that Semtex uh, bombed out. Doesn't mean anything because Watson was the one that was going to prove or disprove it because he was a bronze and he was. If 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 it all if it had merit, then. Uh, then he would have fizzled out, and he doesn't look like he's fizzling at all. He looks like a star, and that's great. And and, and I have no um, animus at all towards Deshaun Jackson. Um, yeah, admittedly, there was a little bit of you know, it'd be kind of good if he didn't work out because we didn't draft him. This was back when people were getting on Sashi's case over it. But I really don't care about that now because, and this is no offense to you guys if you are Houston people, I'm not trying to run down D. Watts or you guys, uh, but we ended up with a better guy. I'm just saying, Baker's a better quarterback and he's going to show it on Sunday. Um, But, the uh, but I never had a problem with Watson personally, and in fact I loved him. Uh, you know he he pulled off one of the most incredible accomplishments ever, beating you know taking Alabama to the wire and beating them like he did in uh, the national championship game at the end of the the 2015 season. So you know, I, I, in looking at that quarterback class of 2016, you had uh Patrick Mahome, you had uh, Mitch Trubbs, you had. Uh, shown Kid Zeppelin, and then you also, and then you had uh, Watson. And for all of those guys, it's like Mahomes had the, you know, the, the the incredible arm, and also he had the incredible accuracy. If you go back and watch Mike Krupka, uh, who is also officially part of what we do here, and Mike's a good guy and very smart. He wrote a breakdown. It's it is the the film breakdown of film breakdown articles. It was it was an internet destroyer article on Pat Mahomes where it was something like a hundred and thirty of these just I mean of Mahomes just Lighting up other defenses with deep downfield accuracy, there was never anybody more accurate I, I, as far as i 'm concerned there's never been anybody more accurate downfield in college than uh, Patrick Mahomes, but he had the, the 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 huge arm well then you had. Uh, Kaiser, who had like the the, the prototypical size, and of course Kaiser had a big arm too, but he had the prototypical size, and and he was the profile of what people consider to be the NFC North quarterback. Then you had Deshaun Watson, who had he was the one who had the impeccable incredible leadership skills. That was his, and and honestly when it comes to that, when it comes to the intangibles and uh, being a gamer and all those sorts of things, there may not have been anybody more there there may have never been Uh, somebody that was more of a gamer than Deshaun Watson coming out of college. And I'm happy for him. Um, I, I generally speaking, don't have really anything for any other team. If you're not, uh, you know, if if you're not the Browns, I don't really care about you. And, and, I mean, I do have a um, a secondary affinity for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're the hometown team here, and I've, I've talked about that previously, but and i do care about what happens to them but it's not even close and if you're not you know if you're not that and i do kind of like the arizona cardinals just because they're you know the oldest team in the league and have never won anything it's like i just kind of i would really like to see them win a title at some point uh, and maybe they will with uh, with uh, josh rosen but i just uh i don't i don't really care but i do have that have that having said that i do have a soft spot for some teams the texans are one of those teams and i really And now that I'm seeing Watson in his second year playing well, and not just playing well, but the thing that I thought was going to ultimately end up dooming him potentially would be a threat of injury because of his style and the fact that he did get hurt, had, uh, you know, tore both of his ACLs, I think, when, um, when uh, he got hurt the second time this last year, it was the second. It was the second time he had. So, would would that thwart his ability to run? Well, no. The answer to that has been no, and he's been dinged up in other in uh, other ways. So uh, that was kind of. The, so he's been able to withstand that though. So I'm happy to see that Jackson, that Deshaun Watson has uh, made it in the NFL. He's um, he's stayed healthy and he's performing very well. So this is all. This is all uh, good stuff uh, to say about uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm, I'm personally, I'm happy to see his success. I will be, you know, if the Browns end up getting, you know, falling short of their uh, quest to make it to the postseason, which is not going to happen. I'm going to say right now, and I don't mean to be uh, Debbie Downer or any of this, but I I just, I'm, I'm not color me not believing that we're going to. to, uh, to make it, you know, win these final five games and, and finish out the year. Although, if we go down there and beat up on the Texans like we beat up on the Bengals and the Falcons, then I will change my tune pretty quick on that. But assuming that we don't make it, then I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to be hopeful that the Texans... Actually, the, the, the one I'd like to see get it this year is... Uh, uh, um, Philip Rivers, I'd really like to see. Him. I'd lo- I'd love to see a Rivers Breeze Super Bowl, and that would really be the uh, the contest that. And then in, in that contest, I'd like to see Rivers get his ring because you know Eli got to, Roethlisberger's got to, and Rivers was in that same class, and I'd, I I would like to see him. And plus, he's just—he's been a great quarterback his whole career, and that would be great. But if it can't be Rivers, then I, I think it would be really cool if the Texans were able to make it there. Um, just you know, they're a young team, and I know that you know they—well, they, we haven't won a Super Bowl, so they—they they can't win one before us. I don't care about any of that. It's cool whenever teams that haven't won the Super Bowl before have a chance. In fact, it would be great if two teams played in the Super Bowl that haven't won the Super Bowl before. Uh, and looking at it this year, there's not uh, – the prospects of that aren't tremendous. You got – the Bears are looking pretty solid over in uh, the NFC North right now. Although if uh, – let me pull up the old uh, standings here. Over in the NFC, of course, the uh, the NFC East is pretty open, although the, uh, the Cowboys are – they're doing their best. They're actually playing the um, – the Saints as I am talking to you, and Michael Gallup, there's a guy that I, uh, man, he's made a couple of really nice catches on this drive already, but they are, right now, they're tied with Washington, and they're a game in front of the Eagles, so, I mean, so that division I think is uh, pretty well open. But it's going to be one, and the Redskins with with uh, Colt McCoy uh, going for them for the rest of the season. I am not. I'm going to go ahead and eliminate them from this conversation. So that means it's going to come down to either the Cowboys or the Eagles winning out in the East. And both of those teams have won Super Bowls. Obviously, the Yams at ten and one, they kind of lead the the whole uh, NFC outside of the Saints. They've won a, They've they've uh, they've won they've won one Super Bowl. That's right. They've won. Is that right? Yeah, they've won one. Uh, back the greatest show on turf. Could have won more, but they they have won one. Uh, and you've got the the Bears that are ahead right now in the Central, playing very well. And I mentioned already the Saints. So all of those teams have won Super Bowls. The Wild Card right now has it's kind of all over the place. Um, I already mentioned the Eagles. I already mentioned the uh, so there's not really a whole lot of prospects out there for a team to make the play, the the playoffs in the NFC. Seahawks are uh, six and five, and they of course uh, have won before. The Vikings, the Vikings, there's a shot. Uh, they have, they definitely have a shot. They're six four and one, so they could sneak in as a wild card. Uh, or the Panthers, and there's a couple of other teams that are out there in the hunt. Uh, and that's it. So would would like to see it doesn't look likely it looks like whoever is going to represent in the nfc is a team that has won the super bowl before and in the afc it's you know you get you, the steelers are going to get in there the patriots are going to get in there and the chefs are going to get in there of course kansas city won super bowl uh four i think <clears throat> i think they were the the second afc team to win after the uh, the jets So they've got one and uh who else? There well I already mentioned the Texans, the uh, the Chargers, they have never won a Super Bowl. They have been to one Super Bowl. They played the 49ers in nineteen ninety-four, and you know, that was a pretty good team, Stan Humphreys and Natron Means and Junior seau and uh Anthony Miller, and what I love about that team is that they went out there and beat the uh the the Steelers in the AFC championship game on a on a long deep touchdown pass late in the game to Sean Jefferson. How the hell do I I remember all of this either way that was that was a a good team that was fun to watch but man you talk about a buzzsaw that 1994 49ers team somebody brought this up the other day i I haven't lost my train of thought although have i ever really had my train of thought i guess is the, the more pertinent question the 49ers have you know they won uh five super bowls total in their in their history somebody asked the question the other day if you if you well, full stop. You put anybody out there, all of the teams that have won championships, which is the one, you know, hands down all time that would just beat all of them? And I don't think that there is a team that's like that, I, especially because, like, if you play even the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Foles and A.O. up against, like, the Bart Starr-led Green Bay Packers, you know, one of those teams is a Dynasty. The other one was they're a little fluky, but they won. Uh, the Eagles probably would have the advantage just because of the physical maturation of the NFL players as it exists. But I would even go so far as to say that the 1994 San Francisco 49ers would win such a tournament because, first of all, they're closer uh, as far as the, the physical makeup. But also, and more importantly, that, that team as a unit, it's it was... Uh, it kind of started at the dawn of free agency and they were stacked they were in an arms race with the Cowboys and they were absolutely stacked and Steve Young was as dialed in as anybody ever has been uh, at, at any point in time in NFL history, that he threw six touchdowns in that Super Bowl, and he could have thrown six more. I mean, it was so the, the, the Niners were. It, it, they, they they there was even there was even a a commercial being run during that Super Bowl where Dana Stubblefield, who was their defensive tackle, was. Sacking Stan Humphries, the starting quarterback, and both of these guys participated. So the, the 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 commercial being played during the Super Bowl was demonstrating that the Niners were going to clobber the the, the Chargers, and players from the Chargers uh, participated in it because they knew they had no shot. And they really they, they they had no shot in that game, and that was a good team. Anyway, that's the only time that the Chargers have ever made the Super Bowl. And they're, uh, they're, they would be right now, I would consider them to be the fifth seed after you get past the division winners because they're not going to get past Kansas City, I don't think, anyway. So that leaves the, uh, the team from the south. I think probably that's going to likely be the Texans. They'll probably end up with the fourth seed. And so then that leads the final wild card, and that's where, you know, we're, we're hoping against and, – and the way that that all breaks down – is that we are... Uh, the best that we can do is 9, 6, and 1. So the good news is that uh, we win all tiebreakers against anybody that's got 9 wins. The bad news is we lose all tiebreakers against anybody with 10 wins. It's, it's that line of demarcation. In fact, the only team that we would uh, have any sort of tie... that any kind of tiebreaking uh, formula would come into play would be the... Um, uh, Steelers and the Steelers would win the tiebreaker because they beat us. But they're the only other team in our conference that has a tie, so they're the only other team, that and they're going to end up winning the division. So it's going to be a straight-up, it's going to be a pass-fail type thing, and either we're going to get in or we're not. So, all right, I just broke down how I think this is all going to shake out in the AFC. I think the Chiefs end up with the number one seed. Before it's all said and done, I think they'll probably end up with home field advantage. After that, I think it'll probably end up being the Patsies number two, and after them, it's probably going to be Pittsburgh. I would imagine they will probably end up. Right now, the uh, the Yinzers are seven three and one, and you know, like right and right now, we're, we're the Texans are eight and three. Uh, and I just think that it's it's likely that the Texans finish with a record not as good or equal in wins to the Steelers, and that's going to give the Steelers the edge. I just, I, that's what I don't. I hope that doesn't happen. In fact, I would hope that the Steelers, you know, lose you know all but one of their games. Well, I hope they lose every game for the rest of time. But it'd be great if they lost you know at least all but one of their games to end the year, and then we straight up win the division outright. Not going to happen. I understand that, but I'm just saying the way I see it shaking out is the uh the chefs one patsy's two stillers three and the texans four and then that and then the uh, the chargers at five so really you know there's not really a whole lot left to sift through the afc except for the remaining wild card teams and so when you look at that like i said the chargers they're in after that the ravens right now are at six and five we beat the ravens already and we play them again okay not insignificant the colts are at six and five Probably the more, probably the most problematic of all of the teams that we're, we're discussing here. The Dolphins are five and six. The uh, Broncos are five and six. And uh, the Bengals are five and six. Of course, we just beat the hell out of them, and we play them again. So if we if we win out, you know, if we go nine, and, and the only scenario where this is even plausible is if we win out. But if we win out, we're gonna, you know, the Ravens are gonna have at least one more loss. The the, the Bengals are gonna have at least one more loss. The Texans are gonna have at least one loss, uh, one more loss and um that may be it for the uh, the AFC because I know that we play the Panthers in there and oh and the Broncos are going to take a loss as well. So the bro- in fact the Broncos we could basically knock them out of our way if we beat them and we run the table. If we in, in fact we if we run the table it's going to eliminate the Broncos. Because if they if we run the table it's going to make them 9 and 7 uh the best they could do would be 9 and 7 at that point and we get in over that. So, uh, the the way that the rest of it breaks out is the only way in this scenario... And again, we're not going to run the table. I'm not... I, I realize that. But there is something to be said for you know if we go out there and lose to a good Texans team on Sunday then you know it, it, it then for all then then it's basically it's it's it doesn't mean that the season's over there's still going to be plenty of of uh, games left to play you know four games after that they're going to be fun to watch and i'm not going to you know i'm not, i'm i'm certainly going to be following it although i will say that it's definitely going to accelerate the draft scouting process for a lot of people and kind of get that thing going but if we uh, if we go out there and, and lose, then all of this speculation you know if we do this if this happens that all that goes away. So let's let's luxuriate in it a little bit right now. Let's enjoy it a little bit right now when we talk about these playoff experiences. And so, uh, since we talked about various scenarios, here's one that I thought of the other day, and I I, I like this one. And it's like this. If it goes down exactly the way I just said it will, where the Chefs are one, the uh, Patsies are two, Yinzers are are three, and the Texans are at four – and the Chargers are at 5, if we get in and we're the 6th seed, then what that means is, by virtue of the Steelers having the 3rd seed, that means we're going to play them for a 3rd time. And I would love to see a rematch against those schmucks with this team right now. I realize that a month ago, it was yeah, it's not like it was that much of a different roster a month ago, although it really is, with Joe Schobert not playing in that game. Uh, I think Randall was out for a good portion of it as well. I mean... We we were dinged up significantly. Remember that was the game right before Kansas City, where we had like half of our our uh, defensive starters out. But not just that, but this this team is just—it's a different team right now. It's a totally different team right now, and that uh, it, it makes a difference. And I would it, so imagine going in there and beating the Steelers, seeing Baker avenge Roethlisberger—the loss of Roethlisberger—he goes out there and he beats Roethlisberger. And in the process, you know, let's let's just go ahead and get uh, the whole thing done. In the process, late in the game, Roethlisberger goes back to pass. And uh, Miles Garrett, Tomahawk sa- chop sacks him so hard that it breaks his arm uh, in two and he never plays again. We can hope. <clears throat> Couldn't happen to a better group. So then we win that game, we move on to Kansas City, because by virtue of being the sixth seed, them being number one, they play the lowest seed, we would go play them. Another opportunity for Baker to get another shot at Patrick Mahomes. This time with an actual defense and with uh, a little bit more experience under the belt. Wouldn't it be cool if he's able to get past Mahomes? And let's just say over on the other side, because in that contest, sorry Texans fans, but in this scenario I have uh, the Chargers beating you and also going into New England and beating the Patriots. Tough, you know, certainly a tough uh, tough call, but it could happen. And that would mean that we would get a shot for a round two against Phillip Rivers, Baker against Philip Rivers. And let's just say, and in that one, it would definitely be, you know, and this would probably be the case in the other two, but definitely in this one it would have to be like Baker goes down and, and wins it at the last second type deal, uh, game-winning drive type scenario. Just because it has to. In if, this, if, if I'm going to make up this this bizarre scenario, then you know I'm going to add my own stipulations to it. And in this, it, that that is part of the stipulation. So the Chargers win. We go out there. We beat we beat them in Los Angeles. Go to the Super Bowl where we play. That's right. The Saints and get another shot at them. Only this time, it's not a rematch. It's not a. Uh, we don't really get a chance to get. I mean, yeah, Breeze beat us, but Baker wasn't playing in that game. Tyrod was playing in that game, and Hugh was coaching in that game. But we could still get our our comeuppance because, you know, before that game happened, we did kind of own Drew Breeze. And he knows it. So basically, a uh, Browns uh, Saints Super Bowl is all but a foregone conclusion, and uh, the games are are but a formality. And uh, before I, I uh, wrap it up here, you know, talking about the the uh, Houston Texans, this is a team that's going to be very difficult. Uh, it's, it's going to take it's going to take our best effort to go out there and beat these guys. And I realize I just you know went on this whole fantasy trail about what could happen. Hey, I'm doing that because this is the last week where it's possible for us to even dream. Uh, it, potentially the last week. If we go out there and we lose to these guys, it, it's going to be over. But if we lose these guys, it's not... I mean, unless we, you know, they, they just you know beat the hell out of us, like we beat the uh, the, the the Bengals and the uh, the Falcons. If it's like that, well, then yeah, we can we can. At that point, you'll see some some uh, air let out of the balloon, and people will, will legitimately start looking uh, draft surfing and doing all of the the uh, scouting that accompanies all of that. But if we go out there and uh, you know lose the game this week. Uh, It's 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 going to be okay because it's a good team that we're playing there. It's it's a team. You know, I don't care what your schedule looks like, and I don't care the circumstances surrounding it. You went, you go out there and win eight straight games in the NFL. That's damned impressive. So that's an eight and three football team that has, as I've you know talked all about, you know Deshaun Watson and what he's able to accomplish. Uh, Obviously, with his with his legs and with his arm, uh, and that that receiving core. I already talked about DeAndre ha- Hopkins. Now they've added Demarius Thomas. Uh, so that's not good for us. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 um, you know that, that that they made that trade with the Broncos so we're going to have to have you know we're already going to have our, our lockdown corner on Hopkins and I guess that means that Kerry's going to have to uh, to uh cover Thomas it's going to be a tall order and so with the, then you go to the defense and you got J.J. Watt on one side you've got uh Jadeveon Clowney on the other side and you got Whitney Merciless kind of moving around that is a that is a scary front. It really is. Now there is a little bit of vulnerability in the secondary, so you know, particularly the cornerback spot. So maybe there's some opportunities there, and we can, um, you know, maybe we can. Uh, uh get some but you know that, that's all going to be a function of the, uh, the the protection that Bakers able to get up front you know if if he's if he's if he's constantly you know if it goes back to how it was under but you know it really hasn't been like that it, we are it's been well documented no sacks in the last two games and even in the the Kansas City game the the pressure was vastly improved in, in terms of the amount of time that he had to stand back there and throw so <clears throat> you know maybe that maybe he will have some and if he does have time to sit back there and surveil the field, then uh, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about this one, guys. I feel like we can if he can go out there and put up some points, and then on defense, if if we're able to, uh, you know, we definitely have got the the personnel do, to to uh, mush rush him all day, and and you know make him make him beat you from the pocket. They got a very good uh, running game with Lamar Miller. Very interesting stat. You know, last Monday night, he ran, he busted off a 97-yard touchdown run. And in the last 10 years, only twice has an NFL player had a 97-yard touchdown run. Nobody has had one longer, and both times it's been by him. Of course, our guy Chubbers had a 92-yard touchdown run earlier this year. But um, that's uh, that's, a, that's a very, very good football team. That's a, 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 a balanced Offensive and uh, and a scary, pressurizing defense. You know this is going to be one we're going to. Freddie Kitchens is going to have to have an offensive game plan for this. That is, uh, you know, they're going to have to be ready. Greg's going to have to be ready on defense. They're going to have to bring their A game. They are going to have to bring the, the players are going to have to play at their top level. Uh, the coaches are going to have to perform at their top level. And uh, all we can do as fans is, uh, you know, try to talk trash to some pretty good. And again, I, I'm, I, it's all in jest. I, I do like Texans people, and they're not really uh, the ones to talk trash to. This is a good game, you know. I, I, I talked to, to uh, I, meant, I mentioned Rich Eisen earlier, uh, and he was talking about how just super duper over the world, over the moon excited he is about this matchup. And I got to tell you, I am too. I haven't been this excited for a game since. Uh, you know what it probably it probably hasn't been since the last time well not the last time that we played Houston but we played actually no I'm wrong about this because I go back to 2014 we beat uh, the Falcons we were 7-4 and four at that point and then the following week we played uh, the Bills and you know, so I probably was just as excited for that game because we were legitimately still in the playoff hunt at that point uh, and then the wheels came off, and Manzel came in, and it was you know it was all she wrote. But uh, I, I, I don't recall, and I'm not. It's not because I I have an expectation that we're going to uh, to 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 win out and go through that ridiculous, absurd, not happening, not real scenario that I mentioned earlier. But at the same time. You know, our team has shown the last three weeks that it's got some fight in it. It's a different ball club. Uh, without the, the feckless and hapless and ridiculous, you know, Hugh Jackson, we've shown that we can, we can play with teams and we can win games and we can go out there and we can beat up teams if it comes right down to it. Uh, this is a great test for us. It really is. If we go out there and play well, and if we're able to, to hang with these guys and if we're if we're able to go out there and pull out a win then this is a um I- and even if we're not, even if we're not able to pull out a win, if we're able to go out there and hang with these guys, play well, it's an exciting ball game, I'm going to be happy. I, and I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see us and, and how we really match up. Because it just, there really hasn't been a, a true test of that. Because against Kansas City, where uh, we're all dinged up. We get our guys back and we go out there and we handle Atlanta and Cincinnati. So now for the first time all year, we've got a real quarterback, a real offensive coordinator, a real real head coach all of our guys, well most of our guys are back defensively and, and we don't have a, a giant amount of injuries i want to see what we look like against a good team and uh and uh, with that we're uh, we're gonna see what we look like in a couple of days uh my official prediction is we lose a close one as we always do or as i should as as my prediction always is but uh that's okay i you know, that that's that's just the thing that i do but I, I'm, I'm very. Um, I think that both teams are gonna. Uh, are, I think both quarterbacks are going to look impressive. Uh, if we're able to uh, slow them down a little bit, I think that we may be able to uh, to sneak out of there with one. But um, we'll see. But I love talking with you folks. It's always. Um, it's it's all. Oh hey, <laughs> how about that revenge tour, huh? <laughs> uh, go Buckeyes in the uh, the Big Ten title game this week. I expect uh, I, I expect for that to uh, be a big win for us there, but I, I, I expect for it to be a good game there on on uh, Sunday, and uh, I, I think that the the rest of the league is really going to take notice of it. And if we're able to uh, come out on top over the Texans on Sunday, then that's going to there's a lot of teams that are going to look at us a lot differently for the rest of the year. But hey, either way, if it doesn't work out. We still got Baker baby, and it was never about this year uh, you know it was always about next year and hey, next year this is the thing no matter what happens in the draft, no matter what happens in free agency we you know really no matter what happens even with the coaching search next year, the championship window opens. How about that? How about that and honestly for a lot of us that's been the goal all you know we 've known that it was that was going to be about the target time. And if we end up with a winning record after this season, and that's just gravy. And honestly, a record of 8-7-1, and one, if we were to finish that way, we ought to be just over the moon excited about that. Uh, and chances are, I'm just going to be over the moon excited about anything, because I'm going to go into this entire offseason knowing that Baker Mayfield is our quarterback, and he's going to be even better next year. Uh, so with that, I uh, I bid you adieu. I uh, say goodnight, and I also say Merry Christmas. We're in that season. It's officially fa- past Thanksgiving, so you can do that. And programming note: knobs next uh, next next starting next week. The uh, the Christmas music Christmas music is coming into the bumper rotation. So just know that it's uh, it's how I roll. I love y'all. Love talking with you every week. Go Browns! Big game this week. I uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I will talk with you after that game. Um, you know, if uh but one way or another, we'll we'll be chatting God willing and until then, good luck, God bless. Take care out there, y'all. So. Ya. Hello. You're listening to Simone De Rochefort, for one of the hosts of the Polygon show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.